Hey listeners, happy new year, 2021. This is crazy. I do realize that I am two weeks into 2021 already. Uh, in fact, the, the episode that I have for you, I recorded the middle of December, anticipating that I would get it out the end of December, like, you know, New Year's Eve or something. And it did not happen. I spent the whole, the, the last month of December, with the exception of a few days when family was around for for Christmas, um, I spent my December cramming out, getting caught up on my school assignments that were supposed to be in on the 19th of December. But I had a couple gracious profs they gave me to the end of the year. We got them done, but I got them done. <laughs> but it was a wild push. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a crazy year in many ways. One of the ways it's been crazy is I've barely made it through the last two semesters. And one of the adjustments in that is going to be I'm, I'm going to cut back this next semester, going to cut back to just one class instead of four classes. So anyways... That's like a little random update. This is, here we are, January 16, 2021. And uh, the episode that I have for you guys today is an interview with some pastor friends of mine that just reflecting on what it was like, what 2020 was like for pastors. And uh, I I read in an article somewhere, I don't know, for July, August, September, somewhere around there from Barna that talked about what pastors were experiencing in 2020 and how isolated alone they felt. And so it's made me feel, it's made me feel for church leaders for one thing. But then I also just thought it would be good to kind of end out the year, or in this case, begin the year, just hearing from what the year was like for pastors. And especially in going forward in 2021, how can we be a part of supporting pastors? How can we as a church kind of come together and and just draw closer to each other as a church community? Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to share this episode with you. Um, but what's really interesting is we spent most of the time talking about COVID, and yet some really crazy things have happened politically here in 2021. So we don't really talk about politics. There was plenty of crazy stuff going on with politics in 2020, right? But I mean, wow, we have like an insurrection on the 6th and just, uh, you know, the inauguration coming up next week already and just all kinds of things coming loose here. It feels like it, it kind of feels like 2020 just kind of showed 2021 around and was like here you know this is this is how we do things you see what you can do and and 2021 is trying to one up 2020 or something but um anyways here we are we're a couple weeks in and and uh god is still good humans are still quite crazy and so we we want to kind of process how we can draw close to each other in the middle of crazy times and um, especially as we reflect on what happened last year and how to process just things that we've not been through before things that are uh, just like this you know leaders are needing to make decisions 
And they've never been faced. Nobody told them when they were ordained as a pastor or whatever, like, you're going to have to decide whether it's persecution to not meet during a pandemic and or whether whether it's a real health threat that you better not meet during a pandemic and whichever decision you take half your church is probably going to slay you for it like <laughs> that's putting it kind of bluntly but that's really kind of what it's been like and and so i think it would be good for us to just kind of hear now you'll notice in the interview this is that is not the attitude that these pastors carry that's that's me kind of like hey that's actually the reality that they were dealt right and i hope this can be just kind of a a peaceful reflection as we go forward into what could be a crazy week ahead but <laughs> maybe even a crazy year right so anyways um as always, if you want to support this show, if you want to support the podcast, the blog, if you want to support um, our venture through college, Bible college, uh, you can join us on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Asher Whitmer. And there are extra content and um, experiences that you can enjoy as Patreon members uh, that are reserved for Patreon. One of the things that I'm going to be shifting going forward here in 2021 is that I'm, I'm going to be devoting most of my energy to Patreon. So what I mean by that, especially when, when it comes to social media, what I mean by that is, as many of you probably have already observed if you follow me on social media, I don't engage a lot on social media anymore. Um, I just kind of post things. And then everybody and their brother can say what they want, respond what they want. I do read it, look back through it. Sometimes I engage it, but I've found that that's very rarely profitable. And so um, the the people that are members, that are Patreon members, when when I'm going to be, I, I'm have a Facebook group where every patron, no matter what tier, no matter how much you're giving, you're a member for, but every patron can be a part of this Facebook group. And then um, any of the conversations that everything I post on Facebook, I'm also going to post in that group. And if, if people want to dialogue further and have a more meaningful conversation about it, then um, we can have it through that medium. Um, so if, if you're not on Patreon, and you don't want to be on Patreon, that's perfectly fine. Uh, just understand I'm not ignoring you. It's just I don't have the time to uh, to put in the dialogue. And, and I'm, I'm very rarely able to discern whether this dialogue is even going to be that profitable. Um, and so if you are on Patreon, know that, hey... You know, if I if I want to actually converse with Asher about some of these issues or some of the things, um, that Facebook group is the place to do it. So, if you would like to be a part of that group, you may venture over to patreon.com forward slash Asher Whitmer. But if you would not, that's fine. You can continue to receive all regular content for free. Thank you for your listening. Thank you for your support. It, it's been a crazy year. It's been quite a wild year. Yeah, this, this 
first couple of weeks here, I've, I've just been taking, reflecting on the last year and planning the year ahead. And just remembering a year ago when I did that, uh, one of the things that I felt that we needed to open up and talk about was racial issues. I had contacted uh, Keyshawn Washington and, and planned an interview with him, had outlined in a series of articles on racism that I have yet to publish. But um, what do you know, like <laughs> racial issues becomes a huge issue, current event that we all have to process through. Uh, it's interesting. Who knows what's going to happen for this next year, right? But we know that God is good through it all and that he is faithful. And I hope you enjoy this conversation that I have with, with the, my pastor friends and that we can learn together how, in light of the faithfulness of God, how we can faithfully serve and walk with each other. Okay, we are live here on Unfeigned Christianity. It's it's good to have some old friends and some new 2020 friends. Rich, I don't know if if I have officially met you in person. I can't remember ever meeting you in person, but... I don't know if I have. I've met your father, but I don't know if I've met yeah. you. Rich Swartz from New York City is pastor of, I was going to say followers of Jesus, but you're not pastor of followers of Jesus anymore. What What is the name of your church in the Bronx? Um, our church is Believers in Jesus Church. Believers in Jesus Church. So Rich and I have uh, gotten to know each other a little bit more through, um, we've worked together with Restorative Faith Community that has done some online virtual events around racial issues and how to think through those conversations from an Anabaptist perspective. And yeah, it's good to have you on, Rich. It's good to have my local pastor, one of my local pastors, Jose Sanchez, down. I'm just kind of going around the circle here on my screen. Um, Pastor Jose, you have been a part of pastoring our church here in LA, LA Road, stands for Real Life Opportunities and Discipleship. What has it been? Um, five years? Six years? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Five, yeah, close to six years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2014, 2015, somewhere there. I, uh, our family got to know theirs, oh, it's 10 years, I guess, probably now. Uh, we're, we're doing our first Bible school in one of the local parks here, and their kids had tennis practice during the Bible school, but they would be done with tennis practice right around the time we were done with the Bible school, and his son and daughter would come over, and we'd play some tag and so forth with them, and and that was kind of our initial introduction to the Sanchez family, and since We've gotten to know them well and, and really appreciate their involvement in our church. And now in recent years, um, their leadership in our church. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Yes, it's a privilege. Thank you. And then Drew. Um, Drew is Drew Latin from Wisconsin. I never remember exactly. Ladysmith, Hayward, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, in Hayward. Northern Wisconsin. 
And what's the name of your church again? Grace Bible Church. Grace Bible, yeah. Pretty pretty vanilla name. <laughs> um, yeah, we have Drew and Lissel were in Thailand working with Igo the same time. I mean, they, they were there much longer than Teresa and I were, but um, the three years that we spent in Thailand, they were there as yeah. well. And so we got to know them through our time there. I, I invited these brothers on because they're all three pastors and they represent a variety of congregations. Um, Rich and Jose are both urban settings, even though different type of urban setting. New York was hammered hard early in this pandemic with, with COVID and LA hasn't quite had the the hit that New York has necessarily, but it's not, we're not quite stacked on top of each other either, quite like New York is. But then Drew is in the Midwest in a rural setting and um, yep. which presents its own unique challenges and, and concerns that the con- congregation has. And I've just, as we, as we near the end of 2020, which has been a crazy year and I'm thinking obviously, particularly of COVID, but there's been lots of stuff for us to sort through as churches and people and uh, elections and political involvement and who is good or evil in relation to that. We've also seen a lot of racial tensions flare up, um, especially in the cities, although, Drew, you're not that far away from Kenosha or Minneapolis. Um, That's right. So... I just kind of wanted to hear from a pastoral perspective what the year's been like for pastors. And obviously, I'd love to hear just from you guys what what it's been like. And I'm sure you've talked with other pastors as well and and can maybe um, share some of the broader perspective, too. But um, oh, there I was reading an article by Barna earlier this year that that brought out. Um, I don't have it right in front of me, but a high percentage of pastors feeling lonely and overwhelmed through this through this year. And I think that's typical, sadly, of a lot of pastors and leaders in normal circumstances. And then you add on a, a pandemic and things going on in our culture and society that you have to make decisions and your church is quite likely split in some degree or another, maybe not down the middle, but there's some buddy who probably has strong opinions on either side, whether, whether you gather, whether you don't gather, whether you wear masks or don't wear masks, whether you stand in support of, of black people or whether you uh, have nothing to do with some of the modern racial justice movements or whatever we could look at. And, and so I just, invited these brothers on to hear um i guess my my opening question and i don't really care who goes first but i would just like to know what it's what it's been like what has the year been like for you guys personally um yeah maybe we'll start there personally like how has it been for you brothers and pastor jose maybe i'll just have you go first Okay, well, uh, it's been a quite interesting 
year, especially with this uh, pandemic and all the things happening, as you already mentioned it. And it's been, uh, I can say personally, for me, it's been not that hard because, because um, I'm not dealing with uh, work outside right now. But in terms to the church, it's been, it's been quite a, uh, different. And, and, and when I say different is, uh, I'm, I'm those type of persons that for me is everything like, you know, uh, not like whatever, but it's like, it's okay. You know, we just trust in the Lord and, and let things happen either way they're going to happen. So, but I'm realizing the amount uh, my family members and among the church, it is, it is quite a different way of seeing things. And uh, um, again, here in my house, we all have peace on uh, uh, this particular issue. But in regards to church, it's different. It's different. They don't, they don't think the way that I think, and I don't want them to think the way that I think. But uh, to me, these times, it should be uh, times that where we can trust in the Lord and just walk in faith and just, you know, uh, pretty much uh, not get into so much stress and, and so much uh, uh, thinking and what is going to happen or what is going to, when this going to be ending. But I got to respect also others and uh, the way that they think. So I can say I can freely say that I'm, I'm just fine. Uh, I personally, I didn't get the COVID uh, yet, and I hope uh, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> but anyways, the, what I'm saying with this is that uh, uh, it's been it's been a lot, a lot of different opinions in this subject, and yet I. I personally and my family, we we still trusting in the Lord, and we we just you know living day by day and and thanking Him for all He's done. But in the church, it is it is quite different. And when I say quite different, is the uh, I will say it's been a lot of distraction, distraction, and and all this situation. And I think you you mentioned it right. You mentioned it already that, that we've been dealing with the issues. If we wear masks, or we don't wear, or, or, or you know, if we should have services or not. And and I personally, in my opinion, I think it's the time when we all, we need to be all united and all together, and 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 just worshiping the Lord and trusting in Him and praying for all the situations around. But for some others, they they prefer to stay at home. And just you know, protect themselves to not get anything that they're gonna affect them. But again, it's various opinions and the particular subject. I don't know. You necessarily want me to talk about that or 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 anything else. But I yeah, no, that's good. I, I would like to get into that um, later. Mm-hmm. But maybe just one follow-up question here quick. Would, would you have said, and, and I kind of know the answer to this already because we've, we've talked about it some, but um, maybe the, uh, Rich and Drew can, when, when you guys share too, you can give perspective on this as well. But at the beginning of the year, would you have said our congregation 
was as opinionated or uh, that we would you have known like did it surprise you that there's so many strong opinions or or what or did you kind of sense like yeah you know we, we have strong personalities in our congregation and so forth what what does that question make sense yeah well yeah to answer that question it, it, it did surprise me a lot uh see all the various uh way of thinking and, and they're they're I can say that it's like uh, between a little bit fear and 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 not trusting in the Lord, pretty much. And also, I understand I understand that families they need to protect their environment and their little kids and uh, little born babies. I understand that perfectly. But I, uh, you know, as a pastor, I I, I just think that, that we all should. Just trust the Lord and 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 put everything in His hands and and not be worried and not be anxious by, by nothing. Just trusting in Him, but obviously it is a different way of trusting in Him. You know, and some some of the church members they they trust in the Lord but staying in their house. You know, I mean they have faith in the Lord but they prefer not to get close to where everybody is. And I respect mm-hmm. that. I respect that. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, for me it was a, a huge. Uh, impact uh, knowing that we have a different opinions in this particular issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess maybe maybe as we talk, we could say um, like for us here in LA, it started when it when it all started, everything shut down. We went to Zoom, and I think we were doing Zoom for two months. I think it was eight weeks. Pretty much something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and so just having a as much of a regular service as you can um, over Zoom altogether. And our church is small enough. We have what, maybe eight families, eight households, eight to 10 households uh, represented. And, uh, and then in May, the end of May, we, things opened up and we could gather outdoors. And so we've been outdoors pretty much ever since. There was a period where COVID went through our, our church. And so we did Zoom for a couple of weeks. But even now, uh, with the holiday restrictions, um, the governor has has made a more distinct exception for religious organizations. Um, and so we're still gathering. And it's beautiful weather here in California. So we, we didn't get hit with snow this week and um, we can still gather out, outside. But so, yeah, um, Rich, maybe you can go next. I'm curious what it's been like. Um, for you personally and, and yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I got to keep my eye on the clock here. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't talk too long because uh, when, when you said uh, that you'd like to interview me with a couple other pastors, I thought, Oh boy, I'm not doing so well. <laughs> so um, hmm. I guess I'll, maybe I'll kind of backtrack. I think the last couple months, have been a little bit harder for me this year than the first maybe six months. Mm. And it's kind of strange how it works. Um, In our church, it was like the middle of March that we started the Zoom meetings. And it went for about, I think we went about 12 weeks. And in that time, it was pretty, it was actually really bad in New York. So one of the struggles for me since I grew up in Ohio, I have a lot of 
kind of middle America connections. And I'm seeing my friends and family saying, come on, this is no, this is just nothing but the flu, you know, this is a conspiracy. And, you know, I don't know, just any number of statements. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, but this is really bad. You know, people, these, these, these things aren't being made up. Um, one of the pastors of a church on fish, just like four blocks down, they lost six congregants. And Brother Ike is a part of our church. His wife goes to another church. And in their church family, they lost three people in the month of April or April and May. Wow. And St. Luke's um, up about maybe 12 blocks from here. It's a bigger church. Now, everybody who's supposedly a member is necessarily an active attender. But I think they had 24 people die in St. Luke's. So it was... COVID was, was real and it was a present concern for us. Um, I think what really, one of the things that our church did when this happened, um, we're, we're a small group. We have anywhere from maybe 25 to 30 people, sometimes less than that, sometimes more. So from the middle of March until probably the end of August. Um, well, actually from the middle of March until May, I think it was, um, four of us brothers got together to pray uh, as, as regular as we could. We tried to do it every day, mostly by Zoom. We didn't do it in person so much. Um, and one of the things we were praying about was, God, show us what you're wanting us to learn through this and show us what we can do to reach out and help other people. And it was, you know, God opened up some really, you know, really amazing opportunities to serve the community and engage in, ser in serving and giving and outreach, um, which probably really helped to, to kind of pull us through. Um, we started meeting in the parks in um, late May. And that worked up until September, but the last two services were like low 60s. <laughs> and uh, that became a little bit of a problem. So, okay. so we're now meeting indoors on Sundays at a Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, I think the, you know, the opportunities to serve and engage and, and kind of stay connected via prayer were really key uh, for the COVID thing and even for the racial, you know, um, tensions that were happening and the discussions that were going on. Um, I, I work, I'm bivocational as a pastor, so I work part-time as an insurance adjuster. And in August, we had a big windstorm come through August 4th, and I took on a bunch of assignments that... I, in my adrenaline, thought I could do, but it took me a, a month or so to kind of get caught up. It's probably more like two months. And from then in September, some of our schedules switched so we couldn't do the prayer meetings like we were doing. So the combination of doing more insurance work and the outreach, the food distribution kind of stopped in August. 
um, we had a number of people give us money, just send us money from random places, like $20,000, I think it was, that we could use to give yeah. or to, to have Blessings of Hope boxes come in and to, to give um, to other people. So that was, that was a real blessing to be a part of that. Um, but from September until now, there hasn't been as many, I guess, opportunities. You, you kind of, people aren't too sure about caroling, you know, hmm. thing, what's going to happen. <laughs> um, if you go door to door, some people would probably be open to it and some people may not be open to it. Um, so I think we're in a season of maybe inreach instead of outreach. You have a season of inreach where you hmm. ask God to work in you and build you up um, to be a, a man of faith. Um, regarding the question about would you have thought that the church would be this opinionated? I mean, I think we've, we're, we're a fairly young church. We're about two years old. And all of us have opinions. Um, my wife and I would, on the DISC assessment, come out on high I. So we really want to be around people. And so these restrictions, like you have to find some way to get together. Come on. And Zoom didn't really seem to cut it for us so much. Um, so I, I guess different personalities sometimes can maybe... Um, you know, be expressed. But thankfully, I think it wasn't as hard for us because we actually saw it around us. I mean, we heard emergency, mm -hmm. we heard emergency sirens and everything else. So it wasn't some sort of like um, out there phenomenon. It was actually present. So we've had some varying opinions on how to handle masks when we were outdoors, some people wore them, some people didn't. We had to agree to come up with a COVID safety plan when we rented this, the space. Mm. So we're kind of holding each other accountable to that. And, you know, everybody in New York City wears masks. So that's not really, hasn't really been an issue. Um, I shouldn't say it hasn't really been an issue. <laughs> it hasn't been an issue of conflict that has cause division as far as I know. There's yeah. there's different opinions, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's something I've thought about uh more this time around than in the spring even. Um is just how how present it is for us. I have I do handyman work um and have a number of clients who's got a relative or maybe they themselves have had COVID. Um, my sister works in a hospital in South Central, which is probably the closest to New York uh, as far as tight living um, that we have out here. And they're just overwhelmed with, with um, COVID patients. And she uh, I shouldn't say it live on a podcast, but at least three, maybe five, Pastor Jose, maybe you know um, how many patients she had in the last week and they all died or most of them died. Yeah, and, no, uh, I, I don't have the number, but I hear the few of them, they pass. Yeah. And so it is, it's, it's 
and, and then even now we have economic stuff going on too. people being laid off, people being um, let go financially. And so it, it, I've thought about it recently, what you talked about back in the spring, that it's definitely more visible for us now. Drew, what, what's yeah. it been? For, for us, the, it really was pretty probably a fairly stereotypical upper Midwest experience compared to, to you guys on either coast um, where it felt academic. Some people felt like it was a conspiracy or, you know, conspiracy adjacent that this wasn't really a thing. And, um, and so we locked down right away. We, um, I think most, mostly were, were happy to lock down, but as it started to drag on from, you know, flatten the curve to, you know, let's stop the spread. People, people in my congregation started to feel pretty uncomfortable with that. What felt like a bait and switch um, from, you know, let's just flatten the curve, slow it down to, you know, we can't go out until this is taken care of. And yet um, I, I'm also bivocational and teach in a, a minority community here and they were much more concerned about it than the, you know, Northern Wisconsin majority. So hmm. I felt like I had it from both sides personally on a very personal level, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the first couple of months of COVID. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I enjoyed the lockdown. I enjoyed um, the like slower pace of life. It was a little bit. And, yeah. and we were able to engage with the community in a way that I, I hadn't been able to. We delivered food boxes on the backs of school buses and we connected to people and heard some stories and such. Um, not like you might have had opportunities in New York City or something, but so I really like the first couple of months were great, and then this summer it was actually hard to keep anybody around for church outside because everybody wanted to travel and hang out and stuff because they'd been cooped up for the first couple of months of summer or of spring, I should say. And um, then as things have things have gotten more challenging this fall, any novelty has kind of worn off. <laughs> mm -hmm. But right away we really did wrestle with the tension of how seriously should we take it and anytime i felt like anytime we would start to encourage people wearing masks at church or things like that other people felt like we were being too politically correct or virtue signaling and it was really hard to talk that out i think ultimately we did but it was tough and I think I think there's a lot of polarization around the issue and a lot of a lot of us are sitting here wagging our fingers at the you know conservative conspiracy theorist you know Trump loving types that that think that masks are a mark of the beast or something as the stereotype would go but I had to stop some of my snide attitude about about the anti-maskers to recognize whether I felt like their concerns were valid, they were genuine and that they had people in my own church and my own family were genuinely frustrated and hurt and concerned. And there needed to be pastoral care for that too. 
you know, you can, you can throw all the science you want at somebody and show statistics and pie charts and everything, but that doesn't make a difference to how somebody's actually feeling. And I think that was a lesson for me that I had to process. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, it was more of an academic kind of doing this for the rest of the country sort of thing. You guys weren't necessarily people in your congregation weren't necessarily seeing people get sick with COVID and stuff like that. Well, actually um, within the first, I think it was April, I had about six siblings um, get COVID. Oh, okay. And, and all of them said, yeah, it was pretty bad, but um, like the flu I had in 2018 was far worse than this, but they're Mm. all, you know, in the, 20 to 40 year old band and it just wasn't that big of a deal they were much more concerned about um like s- s- several of the people in my family that got covid were partially laid off from their work in like the hotel industry and so that oh, yeah. that felt much more concerning to them and to a lot of us than anything else yeah so i'm i'm curious how just to dovetail off of what you guys have shared um how do you as just as men or as human beings like when when you're supposed to make decisions that you're gonna have especially if you know there are people on both sides like some someone's not gonna like Mm -hmm. the decision that you make how do you process that and how does that um how do you handle the criticism or the uh is is that do you do you is that a challenge that you enjoy is it is it the type of thing that just tr- eats at your gut and keeps you awake at night and, and it, yeah what do you do with stuff like that I think for me, the two things that I, I learned navigating it was one that I can't be somebody else's conscience. So we have masks available. We encourage people to wear masks, you know, officially, but we're not going to turn somebody away at the door if they don't wear a mask or, you know, looks, give them side eyes or anything. So I, I had to stop trying to be the conscience of people coming to church or that we were interacting with, stop trying to convince people that this was the right thing to do, which you can start thinking about Romans 13 and how that would play in. But as far as the actual health risk, I I couldn't do take that on. And then the second thing, which I blew early on was the need for just really open communication, acknowledge the elephant in the room, acknowledge that this is a complicated issue and that people felt differently and people are going to get their toes stepped on and, and warn people about that and talk about it. So transparency was super important as well and we learned that a little bit too late but i think as a church we did learn it and we're stronger for it i'm curious how how many i know uh jose has two other men that he's making these decisions with what what is the structure like for you drew and rich like do um does it fall primarily on your shoulders or or do you have felt co-pastors elders that you're you're making this with go ahead rich yeah. Okay. 
Um, well, thankfully, it's not just me. Uh, Brother Stan Miller is an associate pastor. He's also ordained. And then um, Brendan and Ike, we have kind of a leadership team of the, the four um, kind of committed brothers that are part of the church. Mm-hmm. So I think one of, the, one of the tough things has been even just meeting has been a little bit harder. Um, we've had how many times where somebody traveled, we had, we had this quarantine business going on. So only two out of three could meet or three out of four. Um, so then it would have to be a phone call or text or something. Um, there were times when it kind of came down to me to make the decision. I don't really feel like that was a wait for me. Probably that might be one of the benefits of being a flexible kind of um, extrovert. So I'm kind of used to dealing with things on the fly, which has actually been a frustration to some of my team members. But when you're, when you're in the middle of something and you don't like, sometimes we would have planned to be at the park at three o'clock, but we get there at one and realize, Hey, this isn't going to work out. So I have to just make a quick pivot and meet somewhere else. Um, so just, just regarding meeting when, where, and how, I mean, we made decisions every week, several times a week regarding mm-hmm. that things that we would not normally have had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a little, we had a pastor's meeting with about eight or 10 other pastors in Brooklyn last Saturday. And the one brother said he, he read something that said, I think it was a secular um, analysis of CEOs. And they said that, when you analyze their decisions, about 50% of them were wrong. And he said, oh, that was kind of encouraging. (laughs) (laughs) And then the one brother said that no decision is sometimes the worst decision you can make. Hmm. Um, So, yeah, there there has been a lot of deciding to do. um, And it's primarily been for us around how to meet, when to meet, where to meet. And it's been more about the worship times and the prayer times. We haven't really had as many opportunities for the outreach times, except during that food distribution season. Hmm. I think for us, um, we enter 2020 after a very, very, very rocky 2019 and losing the two ordained members of our leadership team, one moved to another church and the other retired after promising him for five years that we'd let him retire. And so the last church meeting we had before lockdown went into effect, we appointed two brothers to serve as an interim leadership council. And then all of a sudden we have to figure out what it looks like to have church in COVID, how to, how to have church over Zoom, um, how to sing with masks, or is that okay not to, and things like that. So for us, it wasn't so hard to make those decisions because the three of us as couples, myself as the pastor and then the two others, were pretty much on the same page. But like I said, just because we were on the same page, we failed to communicate with the rest of the church what we were thinking and they weren't all on the same page. And we're a very sort of congregationally centered church in our leadership approach, or at least we tried to be. Um, but I think for me, the, the biggest challenge was 
trying to establish a new norm for church leadership in a COVID year, in a year with mm-hmm. lockdown. And that was really, really, really hard. Um, we've had other even more exciting things happen in the past few months. And it's just felt like, you know, and every leadership team is going to require um, adjustments and tweaks. And sometimes you're going to have to stop and say, wait, this isn't working right. What are we going to do? But it felt like we were going 65 miles an hour down the road. And it's like, uh oh, we need to change the, the brake pads and rotors. And we're like, okay, let's change them while we continue going 65 miles an hour down the road. And we never had a chance to stop and work on those those maintenance things. And because we didn't work on the maintenance things, it ended up feeling like a lot of the the stuff, which is natural and normal and really, in a sense, even healthy, navigating new leadership and stuff, it became a lot more um, problematic because we didn't have a chance to really stop and figure it out. And I would I would add to that, one of the things when you come into crisis, of course, you have to deal with the crisis, but that means then you're not dealing with the normal stuff. You're not dealing with like regular discipleship stuff, caring for families, counseling, um, you know, accountability groups, all these things that make up the the bread and butter of church life. It's not happening. And so things like, you know, a, a brother struggling with a porn addiction isn't going to get help when we're trying to keep people out of the ICU. And I, that's horrible and it shouldn't be that way, but it's, it sometimes felt that way a bit. Mm-hmm. And to make matters worse, if we're not interacting a whole lot like that fuels stuff exactly. like exactly. porn addictions. And Pastor Jose, what, what has it been like for you guys making, making the decisions? Um, one of the things I've really appreciated about you brothers is the humility of if if we come to you with a concern or just uh unsure of why did you make a certain decision or whatever like we we can come to you and talk about that and you guys hear it out but i'm curious what what does that feel like on the back side of that what is how has that been for you personally for the the you benji and sam as a team um has it been similar to what the the other brothers here have shared? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I uh, I'm finding interesting that some of the pastors we deal with the same problem. Huh? We fail to communicate proper to the church, and then <laughs> we face issues. But uh, yeah, definitely. Um, well, since this star, we we kind of let it open to the church to wear masks or not to wear. I mean, we didn't uh, say specifically you need to wear it. You need to, it's okay you not wear it. But what we find interesting is that uh, hearing uh, brothers and some other some sisters, then uh, uh, and seeing that was not really too much attention and wearing or not then we, we become with the decision that, well, it's okay, you're going to wear a mask or not. And that was, uh, I, I guess, was a wrong, wrong decision that we, that we decided as a team, leader team. And then, uh, then after, after a few, few days, then we, we got to meet again and then we, we talk about it. And I say, well, I think what we decide as a leaders is not the right thing. We gotta 
do something else. And then we, we find ourselves, our three and wives, just, you know, all quiet, just looking one to another and, and okay. And then I asked the question, who decided it was okay not to wear masks? And then we say, we, okay, then if we decide not to wear masks, now we, we got to decide that we got to uh, wear masks, even though it looks like we made a mistake, but I mean, we got to accept it that we, we made a mistake in, in a way. And then uh, we, we, we come now with a request for the whole church to, to wear masks and be, you know, take care one to another. But also I'm on the same page with the other uh, pastor that he was saying, we have one or two that they visit us and they don't wear masks, you know? And I, uh, we are not on the point that we force them to wear masks, but also uh, we would like to everybody wear masks for the sake of everyone. But uh, at this point, we, we require masks in the church for the safety of everyone. And yet this where, where we are right now, and hope, hopefully, eventually, we will now going to be dealing with this situation. I personally, to me, to wear mask is a little bit, uh, I don't like it. <laughs> I wear it because I had to wear it. And, and, and if I go to the stores, I, want to, I, I need to wear my mask. If not, they're not going to uh, sell anything to me. And, and then I got to obey those rules. But um, it has been, you know, back and forward in that regards. So again, as a leaders, we, we, we don't have the right decisions all the time. And then we got to sit and talk about it and pray about it. And then we got we to gotta make a decision at the end of the day. And, and, and most of the main decisions comes uh, on me. So if I did good, then it's good. If I, if I did wrong, then I did wrong. So we need to find counsel sometimes, even between our... Uh, us three, yeah, sometimes we are not on the same page because we see different uh, perspectives and, and we hear different uh, brothers and sisters. So we got to really uh, try to make a good decisions for the sake of everybody. Yeah, so it's where mm -hmm. we are right now. So I have, we're, our, our hours coming to a close here soon. I have a, a few questions I'm trying to think through in my head which ones do I want to for sure get asked but um since we're on the topic of making decisions and a couple of you have mentioned um blowing it or making wrong decisions I'm just curious um from a pastoral perspective what what would you like um lay members to know about how to react or respond two bad decisions, decisions that, you know, congregants might think are bad. Um, I, I don't know what it's been like for you guys, but I can imagine there's some people who are probably very vocal about it and almost aggressive and, and feel like there's no grace for the fact that we're, we're all human and even leaders are human and going to make decision, bad decisions. Um, do you like that? Do you like people being vocal, um, coming to you? Do you long for uh, just more like grit and bear kind of, you know, we're all, I don't know if you would have made a better decision yourself or like, um, I don't know if my question is very clear, but like what, what would, 
as leaders, what feels like, because I'm, I'm sure I, I know each of you well enough to know that you, you make decisions aware of the fact that you, you may make them wrong. I mean, you've mentioned it tonight. And so how does it make it easier for you as leaders when you make a wrong decision um, to be, to be heard? How is it easier for you guys to hear uh, the dissenters or the ones who might be critical of that? In what way should lay people approach their pastors if they're concerned about something? Does, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. I, I personally, I really enjoy when, when, when brothers or sisters, they come to me and they uh, uh, question me uh, about a Absolutely. decision or when they, they have a different opinions. And I, 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 I really enjoy that, not because, because it, doesn't, it feels good or not good, but I enjoy that because I feel there is an open channel and an open communication. And that's 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 my my goal. And the other team leaders, that we want we want to be open to hear the church because uh, they are very important. And I and it is important uh, how they think and, and and how they see things. Sometimes they see things different as we see, and we gotta we gotta uh, think about it and, and realize if we did a wrong or we want, we need to fix something. And and also we don't want to be a, a Talking about myself and my other uh, uh, team leaders, I, I don't. Uh, we don't want to be just uh, someone that is just hammering everybody and and not allowing people to talk about it. So that's why we want. I feel better when 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 I give them the, the opportunity to to come with a different ideas or just to to hear their their what they thinking or why they see different than I see because. Uh, we are a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a, a leader, and the others are leaders too, but it's not necessarily that we make uh, the right decisions all the time. I know that we have the responsibility to, to, to have a decision at the end of the day, but also we need to give a, a, ourselves the, the possibility that not everybody is going to be in agreement with us. So I'm, I'm blessed, I wish, you know, more... Uh, uh, brothers and sisters, they will come to me and they say, oh, why you say this? Or why you, now you're doing this? I enjoy just having those conversations. And I, that's, that's what I think and that's what I see it. Having an open uh, conversation. Agreed. That sounds good, uh, Brother Jose. Um, I think I used to tell my wife conflict is the road to intimacy, but I don't seem to like conflict quite as much as I used to. So um, I think if it seems like the average person, if you analyze the um, the uniqueness of our situation, would recognize that it's not easy to make the right decision moving forward. So I would probably ask uh, pastors and lay members to keep that in mind as we make these decisions and try to extend grace. I think that's been a theme for us in our churches. Can we try to extend grace to each other? Because there's going to be people who are more sensitive that think Romans 13 um, extends carte blanche to Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio, and we should respect everything he or she's, each of them say, 
even if they conflict with each other. <laughs> uh, but then there, there will be people who say, uh, these guys don't know what they're saying. So you have these two God-fearing, Christ-loving brothers who disagree on how to respond to um, what the rules are. And I think we really have to try to, when we come together, agree to extend grace to one another. One of the brothers was preaching through Romans 14, which was about people who eat meat and people who don't eat meat. And mm-hmm. he had this diagram showing the two differences. And I was like, wait, that's the ones who wear masks? Is that the ones who don't wear masks? <laughs> um, um, so if somebody has a problem, I, I would prefer if they would talk to me. Um, I know just in the last, not too long ago, I emailed a brother with a question kind of about a decision that I thought might've been kind of COVID shaming because somebody had had gotten COVID. And afterwards I was like, I sent another email apologizing for the email because I didn't think the email was right. It, you know, was necessary. I would have preferred just to have a face-to-face conversation because it was more of a question. It wasn't so much like you did the bad thing. Um, So if we could at least come with, kind of a, a degree of humility and grace to recognize that this is a tough situation, but we should be willing to receive and give the questions, I think. And that's, for me, that was probably the thing I was, I would echo most strongly is I would much rather people err on the side of asking and expressing their feelings, even if, even if it feels frustrating because what, what often happens, and maybe this is just an upper Midwest thing, but people are like, okay, so the leadership team or the pastor made this decision, so I don't like it. I'm going to talk to everybody else about it, but I'm not going to talk to them about it. And yeah. it was, so we had to work through that. And I was really proud of my church for doing that. But I would much rather people err on the side of giving me a call or sending me a WhatsApp message and saying, hey, I'm really struggling with this as far as decisions. And extending that just one more step like we are not in this calling of pastoral ministry to figure out whether people should wear masks or not, or whether we should have singing or communion at church. We're in it to take care of each other and to love and to do Bible studies and disciple. And I heard quite a few people, even in the last couple of months say, you know, I wanted to tell you about this problem I was having, you know, whether it was, you know, marriage, family, sexual purity, whatever, but I really didn't want to put it on you because I know you're really stressed out about this other thing. And it's like, in, in a sense, you telling me about your real problems <laughs> is actually a breath of fresh air, even if it is a problem. And so I would ask churches, and I can't say this for the whole your whole listenership, Asher, but I would ask people in churches to be persistent and aggressive, even in crises, to get help from each other. Because what happens is I'm not aware of it because I'm dealing with the thing that's urgent in my face now, but that doesn't make the the less urgent problems any less necessary, any less important. And so I actually need, I need the church's help more to help me see things because they might slip through the cracks in crisis. Yeah. Mm And, and that dovetails nicely with maybe the last question that I'd like to throw at you guys and just kind of 
kind of with uh, different ones of you have mentioned the 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 lack of I think Jose you talked about distraction um uh Rich you mentioned and Drew I think you too mentioned that well Rich was talking about the inability to do outreach Drew talked about missing out on some of the more in-house discipleship um or regular discipleship um that you guys have what what is your burden for the church as we go into 2021? What is burden or prayer? Like what, what do you long to see happen in your congregations, in your people? I I think um, for myself, something that I've thought a lot about, and I don't know if this is unique to COVID or if it's just a topic that I've been, thinking about period but is just the the model of church and the model or for, format like the way in which we do church and and how it's become a a passive thing for non-leaders and and just longing to see more of us lay people doing the discipleship like it's not like we are all what you mentioned, Drew, we are all called to be asking help from each other, but then also giving help and, and discipling one another, provoking one another to, to study God's word, to love and good works. And um, I'm just curious, as you guys look at the year, as you, as you look at many of the rest of us kind of getting distracted and maybe engaging more in social media battles than in prayer battles. Um, what, what is your prayer? What is your burden for your congregations, for your church or for the church at large going into 2021? Well, I, I can say from my side, I, uh, my prayer, my wife and I is, uh, we, we desire uh, more unity, more unity, uh, even in this uh, turmoil all happening, that the church can be united. And I'm not just talking in uh, LA Road Church, but I'm talking in a universal church that we all can can be united. And and yes, I'm prayer, I'm prayer, and and and, and hoping for good, and 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 just praying that things change for good too. And and Amanda caring one to another, as you mentioned it already, because not everybody thinks the same as I think, but uh, we need to be aware of those uh, families or those brothers or sisters that they are afraid to come to church and, and we need to find a way to communicate with them. And I think that's part of discipleship that we all need to, to do. So my desire will be for unity. And like I say, not just an LA road, but a universal church, unity. We need that. That's, that's what I believe. I haven't thought about for next year, like what the theme would be, but at least for our local church, and I think I would want to extend this out to the church at large, that we could grow in being a praying people and a people that has a voice to 
to share the gospel, to spread the gospel through the unchurched and lost around us, but also that we could grow deeper and stronger in the grace of Christ. Um, yeah, I think sometimes there are seasons where you're doing more of one than the other, I suppose. So right now, I think it might be that the deeper and stronger is supposed to be happening. Um, hmm. You know, I have six children, and so as a father, um, I <laughs> my prayer as a father is that I could be a better father and understanding and wise. And my prayer for the church and even for our community um, that we could partner with the spirit of God and turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. So that's, those are some of my burdens. Yeah. I'd echo everything that was shared and especially resonated with, with pastor Jose's emphasis on unity. Um, That's, that's what the church is known for. That's the manifold wisdom of God that we're supposed to be unfolding to the principalities and powers. And it's amazing whether it's, you know, the 2020 election cycle or Black Lives Matter or, or masks, these, these things can, can show fissures in our church, in our fellowship that are sometimes surprising how easily we break apart. So that's something I'm praying for going forward. But at the same time, I've also felt in our church a lot of coming together when we've seen the fissures, when we've seen the cracks in our unity. And so I'm thankful for that. I think just really personally, and this might be too local, but I maybe not. Um, I'm praying and hopeful that our church will take the creativity around getting together and fellowshipping together um, in small groups on Zoom um, on YouTube, the, even on Facebook and stuff, the, the different ways we found fellowship and we would find more ways and more creative ways to find fellowship outside of a Sunday morning traditional two-hour service. And I don't know if that means we'll stop having, you know, regular sermons as such or we'll have more Bible study type settings or if we'll meet in cell groups more often. But that's one of the things I'm taking with me from from this past year that sometimes was good, sometimes was rocky. And I think we can do better and make better things out of it for the glory of God and the strengthening of our local body to be creative in our gathering. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you brothers for, for coming on and for sharing. Um, I think we get a little bit of a glimpse at least into the life of a, a pastor in 2020 and uh definitely um, i pray for pastors pray specifically for our local pastors but um i i am very much aware even though i'm not one i have many pastoral friends my dad's been a pastor i'm aware of the burden that church leadership is at times Uh, i don't know any pastor who doesn't enjoy people and enjoy the the um opportunity to to serve people but it's also can can be a weighty burden too that that causes stress and just thank you guys thank you brothers for serving in this way and investing in guiding your corner of god's flock 
through this kind of crisis. Thank you, Asher. Thank you, Asher. The uh, um, Drew, you're a part of a podcast, That Jesus Podcast, with Titus Kipfer. So if, if more people want to hear more of Drew and his perspective, it's probably one of my favorite podcasts at the moment. Aww. I uh, really enjoy we're, it. We're looking forward to an exciting year next year, lining up guests and stuff. So I think it'll be good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I So definitely recommend going and checking out That Jesus Podcast is the name of it. Um, Rich, you have you guys have a blog of some kind, don't you? Or is it more in-house local friends and stuff? Um, I mean, I, I write some, and uh, this year kind of had writing happen to and fro and back and forth a little bit. Yeah, but I don't know if it's really an official blog. Okay, okay, I've really enjoyed it. When I don't read, don't read them all, but um, definitely enjoy your take on. I one of the things I've appreciated about Rich is that, and I think I told you this, Rich, earlier in the year, maybe in April or May, but you connect with the issues that like a lot of us have, whether it's church background or family background to Midwest or to uh, PA, Wisconsin, Illinois, Ohio area and uh, more rural areas. And, and life is different from the urban centers of our country and the rural centers. And sometimes it can be almost frustrating to try to convince people that you're not just some leftist liberal (laughs) in the, in the urban area, but that there's real life issues we're dealing with. And I've just appreciated rich in his writings every now and then, and just processing from a very um, Christ centered biblical perspective in processing those things has, has helped me in, in some of my thinking through things. So I guess if people want to look you up on Facebook, they're welcome to do that. Yeah, sure. Um, so I do have some stuff that I wrote on richandsandy.org, but it's kind of complicated. You have to kind of click over somewhere to get to it. So Facebook is probably just as good. Okay. Okay. And then Jose, you don't, you don't have any, public persona really do you just have to nah. come to LA and and uh get some tacos from the Jose grill. <laughs> so yes for sure yeah well but thank you brothers amazing beard yes <laughs> <laughs> he's got the amazing beard and and um he's quite the chef so definitely come and and taste the food sometime well, thank you guys for coming on, and I will let you guys go. God bless your, the rest of your week and your evening tonight. You too, Asher. Thank you.